You're listening to Proropod. Welcome as we, Portia the lifelong fan and Amanda the first time reader, discover the books of Agatha Christie. We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries. In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all. Agatha Christie's very first book, and today we're reading the second one, which is The Secret Adversary. The Secret Adversary, which I did not know she wrote spy novels. Like, I had no idea there was anything but murder mysteries, and I like this one so much better than the murder mysteries. Oh, it, it was so, so good. Better. I had no idea. And you're like, well, yeah, that's the think- Tommy and I had no idea that this was a, a thing. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like she's not as known for the spy novels, and there are definitely problems with her spy novels because it's not her thing. So, so when she's imagining the bad guys... She's kind of all, you know, like uh, imagining the super bad guys, you know what I mean? And so, and we'll get into that. But it's it's interesting because her spy novels are super fun. It's so cute. Um, like it's wrong. very light. Yeah, it's very lighthearted. It feels like YA. Um, right. But it's totally cute. Right. It's super cute and it's super 20s. Like it actually is. You get like, it's so funny because the rest of it's murder mystery. And I feel like this is, it definitely is, could be YA. Like it feels like YA. Yeah, and I think that, um, yeah, it could be because, does no, somebody does die. I suppose there is one death, but it's like. There, there's a death, for yeah. For the most part. It's, I mean, it's there's a lot of death in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to always compare everything to Harry Potter, but there's a lot of death in Harry Potter. Um, oh, yeah, and our other, our, our other warning is, although the book is nearly uh, 100 years old, there are spoilers. We're going to talk about the whole plot. So if you haven't read it yet, I do recommend that you read it because it's delightful, whether or not you get the spoilers first or not. And to be fair, I mean, I feel like her first murder mystery was uh, rough. You had a lot of criticism of that. I I mean, again, I haven't, this is my first reading one and I was like, I liked it. But uh, you, she gets better. She gets better. But her first spy novel was just super fun. It's so cute. And like, it's so witty. Like, the repartee is so good, and the little like oh. side comments and everything. And oh, yeah. The, as soon as you start, like, oh, yeah, there's so many little things that are hilarious. So, so. the book was published in 1922, and Porsche is going to give us a little bit of historical context because she's a smarty. Okay. So now I have to look at my notes about what was the historical context. Oops. Where did my notes go? The end of the great of the Great War, which turns out to be the first war, because we like to have more of them. But back then right, they didn't know the that. Didn't <laughs> they know didn't know. That. They didn't call it World War One because they weren't looking forward to having more of them. Right. So, um, yeah. So the um, oh yeah. So let me let me look at the notes that I was writing down. So yeah, um, um, World War One ended um, in nineteen. 19- 18 in November so basically the beginning of 1919 um and so it was horrible and I don't know for sure <laughs> wars suck wars suck world war one was like particularly sucky compared to earlier ones um and especially in England for in particular right and I'm not sure if Agatha Christie herself served the way that Tommy and Tuppence did but I think she did from the, you know, because she would have been the right age. You know, she was in her 20s. 
So yeah. I, so what was that? What would they talk a lot about about um, Tubbins being right. in the something? Right. What um, was that? What did we do in the war? Yeah. So women served um, as mostly nurses, but also nurse aides, like untrained nurses, basically. It sounds like that was what she was doing. Like right, she was totally. basically like a cook, and then yeah. So, but in the hospitals um, and up front, you know, and so they got to see, they saw a lot of horrible stuff because um, it was horrible. And, you know, there was a lot of maiming. Um, And so the war ended, but also um, then there was a recession that hit Britain immediately afterwards. Because, again, there was first the pandemic of 1918, then the war ended. And they had basically lost a generation of young men. Um, not all young men died. I mean, Tommy didn't, but, you know, like, and, um, and so there was a recession immediately after the war for the next two years. So economy was bad. Um, so that gives us kind of a context of where we are. Um, okay. And then, so that brings me to the question, because I'd rather ask you than the internet. What is a Bolshevik? Okay. So, because they related them to unions, but they also kind of made it sound like some Russian oligarch mastermind stuff. And I was like, Putin, wait, no, that was 100 years ago. Right. So, it's interesting because, okay, so quick, this um, quick and dirty history of Russia. And so, people, if this people do listen to this and they're like, you're totally oversimplifying things, let me tell you now, I am oversimplifying things. This is not a history pod, this is the Poirot pod. Right. So um, Russia had a horrible time in the war and had big corrupt um, kings that were called czars for, you know, hundreds of years. And so between the war and the pandemic and the czar, people were really pissed. And so a group of people organized themselves and they called themselves Bolsheviks and they were led by Lenin and they overthrew the czar. And they said that it was a workers' rebellion. Now, what's interesting, of course, is that when Marx, 100 years before that, was like, workers were having a rebellion, he was imagining it was going to be a rebellion against capitalism in, like, Germany or England. But instead, this was a rebellion against rich king people. Um, So anyway, so the Bolsheviks have always said that they were a workers' rebellion. But in Russia, they were mostly just peasants. So anyway, that's why it's interesting to use the term Bolshevik. But then right after the revolution, Lenin was killed. And um, he was a horrible person who killed a lot of people himself. So um, who's this Stalin? Stalin. Yeah. Um, And so the idea that there are ideals with this rebellion of like trying to get rid of people who are um, taking advantage of people, but actually that they have ulterior motives and that's just for power is a theme in this. Right. And that's what they made it sound like, like they were taking advantage of the people who were working for labor unions in the States, but, or not in the States, but in the UK, but really doing it to consolidate power around these Bolsheviks. Right. But what's interesting is that I don't think that Agatha Christie had any firsthand knowledge of being in a union because she definitely we know from her other books that she's more comfortable with the genteel landed life of people who had 
old money, even if they didn't have necessarily a lot of it, they definitely had old money. So they were more familiar with that, but going to work for a living and needing to be in a union, she definitely were like, Oh, the people are going to hold a labor protest, but they're just being manipulated by somebody else. Right. Right. It shows her perspective. Yeah. That's a little bit dismissive of labor unions and what they had been doing because labor unions had been working for decades in the UK to make, well, and that's what was funny is that like when the the guy who ends up being the big boss at the end who ends up being the bad guy, he wasn't like I was the secret Bolshevik labor organizer because I care about it. He was like I wanted to be a villain, 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 villain. <laughs> I wanted to be bad, super bad, so bad. He wasn't like I care about unions. He was like I'm evil incarnate. Right. And so yeah, like hilarious. she definitely made it sound like that was at the root of some of that work and so it was interesting because clearly that showed her perspective on unions <laughs> right. but then and like she didn't make it sound like the people on the ground were necessarily evil but that they were being manipulated by these bigger right. forces which in the end of the day weren't even he wasn't even out to make money he was just like i wanted to be the biggest bad guy that ever bad guyed right well, he's, he talked about power the other historical context that i think is important is where women were Mm -hmm. So women had been fighting for the right to vote in the UK since the 1800s Um, and then um, kind of were put on. So in the early 1900s got really intense. So if you ever saw um, uh, the first Mary Poppins and the mom was fighting for women's rights, like votes for women, step in time. Exactly. So she was a suffrage a suffragette and so this was like 1903 1908 there's a bunch of people who were protesting and they got arrested and they did hunger strikes and they were like um serious about it and there was a woman who went to the the sport that was the biggest deal to the brits at the time which you know was still a big deal horse racing and she had a, a dress on that said votes for women and she was going to stand in front of the horses and but what she did was she got trampled by them and it was like she died and it was like a thing you know like she was willing to like die just to get votes for women but then like when the world war one started <coughs> in 1915 i think she got trampled in 1909 so i think in 1914 um, when did the war start 14 14 not 15 yeah so in 14 they were like oh time out stop asking for votes because we have to focus on the war and women for the most part did um but, um, but then people were like, you know, we, we could use your votes in some of the stuff that we're talking about the war. So <clears throat> they actually gave votes to landowning women over 30 in 1918. But, um, but men could vote at 21 and they didn't have to own land. So it was still like you still had to own land and be old. So or not old, but so it's old. Tumpins <laughs> couldn't vote when this book was set. Right, but by the interesting. Which I, I would say that the voice is interesting because it's the the banter, like they own the sexism. Like you know what I mean? He says, "Oh, let me see what a man can do," but she kind of gives it right back to him, and it doesn't actually feel that dated. Yeah, like fascinating. Considering it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like oh, it's not sexist for the time. Like she holds her own, and she's basically right. And she holds her own the whole time. And the so and the kind of and the audience them, but... doesn't have to go through a metamorphosis with her. She's the whole time. She's like, no, nobody can mess with me, and you believe her. Totally. And she's an ingenue, but she's also not the one to be fucked with, <laughs> even though she's kind of an ingenue, which is interesting. 
Right, because she's young. I mean, it's interesting because they never did say her exact age, but they said the two of them together wouldn't add up to 45. So they would be in their early right. 20s. Um, right. But um, she, um, but yeah, you would, it's kind of a surprise to hear, oh, she couldn't vote at the time and he could. But, um, but, she, but uh, by 1928, by the end of the 20s, they did give women the right to vote. So that kind of gives you a context of where they were. The context for that, yeah. So um, anyway, so then, um, but the war is an incredibly important part of it. So Lucifer, by the way, um, if you were around during the first half of the 20th century at all, everybody knew what the Lusitania was. So the boat. Is that the boat that sank? Mm -hmm. So the boat was. Oh. So a picture. So that's a real thing. It's a real thing. Um, picture the Titanic in your mind. Okay. Like the size. Got it. Picturing okay. it. Okay. I have uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I've got, okay. you know, is that, it, is it Kate Blanchett? No. Who's the, who's the girl? Oh God. What's her name? It's not Kate Blanchett. No, it's not. It's. Yeah. Rose. Uh, that's the character's name. Oh my Yeah. God. Rose. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, um, so picture that ship. But it's three years later, and it was going from um, uh, America to the British Isles because uh, Titanic was going the opposite way. Right? No, no, no. I'm, you're, I'm, I'm wrong. Titanic was going the same way. So the Lusitania left America and was going to Europe. And at the time, the war was going on. Kate Winslet. Sorry, that was hurting my brain. Kate Winslet. There, there you go. At the time, the war was going on, but. Um, America was quote unquote neutral. Um, and the, uh, I'm in case you're wondering why I'm going away from the camera, I'm going to shut the door to the inside so the cats stop going in and out. Um, so America it's a podcast, was, they can't see you. Okay, but I'm telling you, <laughs> um, America was neutral. And, but I'm putting quotes around my hands uh, as I say that because um, they didn't. They were actually secretly sending weapons to the Brits and the French, who were our allies, um, in the bottom of cruise ships. And the Germans knew that. So the Germans bombed a cruise ship. But because... Oh. I was wondering why they torpedoed the cruise ship. They're like, they got torpedoed. And I was like, why? Because... It actually turned out that we had we were sneaking weapons in the box, but it the time nobody knew that like outside of the you know the governments, so everybody was like that's terrible and that's how the United States was like we need to enter the war. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So that's the context of this. And when at the opening scene for the book in the prologue, um, they've gotten torpedoed in the ship. What's it called? Lusitania. Lusitania is about to go down and so this American guy goes up to a, a young woman and he's like you're American right you're a patriot take these papers bye I'm gonna die because they were all like women and children first so she got right. women and children in off the boat and then he died and drowned but she had the secret papers so that's the setup before we right. meet the beginning and, of the book and what's interesting is of course this um she wrote this in the 20s and Russia was on the side of um, Britain. And then the Russian Revolution happened. 
And then we hated the Russians or Britain hated the Russians. So, um, you know, her whole thing that now that treaty would be bad for us, you know, because it was also at the beginning of the war. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't know. So when we meet our heroes, go ahead. So we got to give them some context. So we meet our heroes and it's two broke young people who knew each other growing up and and also during the war and they meet up and they're both just broke right so there's a lot of backstory that they kind of hint at that they grew up close by to each other um that and then they always had a kind of affection towards each other that they ran into each other in war when he was serving and he she was a nurse and he got injured and then they run into each other in london where they're both broke trying to figure out what the heck do they do now the war is over and I love the fact that they do use the colloquialism. They call each other old thing or old bean. And, and she's yeah. like, they're not old. It's super cute. And then they're both like, where should we go eat something? And they both realize that they're broke. Yeah, they're super broke. And then they go to get some like broke food. And then they're overhearing people's conversations. And he mentions like, yeah, I, you know, you hear so many things around town. I, I just heard somebody meant like, talking to each other mentioned the name jane finn isn't that a weird name and i kept thinking is jane finn a weird name (laughs) i guess maybe it's an american name because it doesn't sound weird to us at all i mean it just sounds plain but it doesn't sound like i wouldn't stop and be like portia guess what name i heard today jane finn but but again again my name is tuppence so well her name isn't really tuppence (laughs) it's prudence you got that right right So she's like this ingenue and she's babbling and she's like, we're broke. Let's start an agency where we will do crimes for money. Let's put an ad. And he's like, are you kidding? And she's like, what do we have to lose? So they put an, they decided to put an ad in called the Young Adventurers. And they're going to just, and they, they decided to put an ad saying, hire us to do absolutely anything. No unreasonable offer refused right. in the paper. And, and then there, as, as she's walking back home, some dude follows her and it was like, I overheard that. I can hire you to do some and this weird is stuff. One of my favorite moments because she's, he says, excuse me, can I talk to you for a second? And this is where Agatha Christie does a thing that's brilliant where she goes, she turned around and was about to say something, but then she didn't say what she was going to say and realized that this guy was probably not trying to sexually harass her. And Agatha Christie doesn't say right. that. But it's like right, but he's she's like she she yeah she realized that wasn't he she's like he she didn't like it but she realized it wasn't for that right but it was one of those things where it's like oh okay so a woman on the street of London knows to go if a guy goes hey baby and she knows to go hey shut up and back off and this is right ninety eight years ago she's like what did you say to me and then she. Right. <laughs> and so and then he's like, No offense, no offense. And he she doesn't like him, but she's like, Okay, I think he's not sexually harassing but me. Isn't that the- so he gives her his card and is like, Meet me at my office tomorrow. So, and so she goes. My little, like like voyage not voyage. My little voyage into her view of how women work. Cause it's fascinating this idea where she's just like, Yeah, of course, if you're a woman and it's the nineteen twenties and guys harass you on the street and you have to be ready to take it anyway but it's yeah yeah no it was, it was really well written i like that too and then so she goes back to the office the next day oh, and, and this is one of the things about writing spy novels where you're like how small is this town of london because she goes in and the guy offers her a job which seems really sketchy he's like 
I'd like you to go go to Paris and hang out at, at the places. No, no, no. Go to Paris and go to a girl's school and pretend to be a little bit younger. So she's like, what? We decided 21, 22. Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Go to a Paris finishing school, pretend to be American, and hang out at this finishing school and we'll pay for it. And she's like, what the fuck? You know, like, what's the catch? And, what's and the he's catch? Like, nothing it's like just go there and be american for us and she's like okay this is bizarre why you know he's like of course you'll take it we'll pay you well and then she he's like she's like no i won't and then she goes he says what's your name and she says she's like i i don't know i don't know she doesn't want to say and he freaks out and it's hilarious right because she decides i'm not going to use my real name because i'm a preacher's daughter so i'm gonna give the name the first thing that comes off the top and she doesn't remember that, that she gets it from Tommy she just thinks that it was the first thing that came off her head she's like Jane Finn and he's like who the fuck told did Rita tell what do you know right and then he gives her 50 pounds which I looked up is like $2,500 in current current monies right so he gives her 2500 equivalent of 25 like 50 pounds and she's like and then he's like get out of here come back tomorrow and we'll deal with this and she kind of pretends like he's like, what do you know? And she's like, I don't know anything. And he's like, clearly, you know more. And she's like, no, seriously, I don't. And he's like, take some money. <laughs> so it's like, and they, they kind of make that joke that like, she keeps telling the truth. Right. And it's like, he, like, he just, it just keeps working for her because people are assuming that she knows more than she does. Right. It's hilarious. Yeah. She used the same method later. For... So. Right. So the, so the um, small town nature that tommy would have overheard this name spoken by this guy and then she goes back and says it back to them that's a little bit like okay london's one of the biggest cities in the world right there's a lot of like and they kind of own that the narrator or like or the characters keep talking about coincidences and how it's like a spy novel or how it's like a book and so like i think she does a good job of owning that none of this sounds realistic at all but it's still fun right right like i think she kind of owns it like yeah like what are the odds of that what i I believe in coincidences this is meant to be because she owns the fact it's ridiculous but it but it's awesome because right right. and so like it kind of works so then, um, so then she, the next day she goes again, like he says to, and of course, after showing Tommy, like, Hey, I've got all this money. Let's go eat lobster. Um, they go the next day to go get some more money. And of course the office is now closed up and gone. Right. And, and they're like, Oh no, now what do we do? Our, our, uh, our, uh, our source of <laughs> getting 20, 50 pounds a day is gone. Well, this is why I wanted to mention that there was a recession going on in England during this moment because this book was published in January of 22 and they were coming out of it in 22 but 19 and 21 after the war it was rough when obviously yeah. Christie was writing this and so I really got the sense from reading this in the same way again to reference Harry Potter that she knew what it was like intimately to be like okay i have 50 pounds um okay i'm gonna splurge and spend 10 of it on they went Mm -hmm. out to dinner and a show but then the other 40 she's like i'm gonna stretch this out for months and so she knows how to do that like this idea that like i could tell that agatha christie was like yeah i know what it's like i know this feeling right right 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's written well for that. And they did talk about the so they rate then because they said that um, later they said that a million dollars was two hundred. So right. um, basically, four times as much. So I think we might want the pounds. It was probably two hundred dollars. Right. And two hundred dollars right. in nineteen twenty one. So. That's still right. a chunk, but it's not like, you know, like you're not going to, you know, buy a house, but you could, you know. Right. But if you spent a f- to go see dinner and show, absolutely, and then stretch it out. So I thought that there was a reference to that a lot. Like, <coughs> how do you stretch this out? Do you take a taxi or do you? Well, that's what I was saying. It's $2,500 in now time money, right? You're not going to buy a house with that, but that's a decent amount of money. That's mm-hmm. rent and things. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, yeah, right. it was 200 buck, $200 in them times. Them which time, means, and then 2500 you know, now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's what you meant. Okay. Um, according to my, my uh, very extensive Googling, which was not that extensive, so... <laughs> Right, but it's a lot of money. Anyways, basically, he gives her a big bribe. So it's like, what is going on that I say this one name and get this big bribe? So the office closes up, so they can't go get more bribe money. So um, they decide to advertise in the paper about any info uh, wanted for the name Jane Finn, right? Yeah, and they get two replies. And this is the interesting. The first one they get is from. Go ahead. I was going to say how fascinating it was that they were like, yeah, it's going to be in the paper tomorrow. Yeah, it's all really fast. Every time they do something, it's very fast. Right. So they, got two so they get a reply from Mr. Carter, alias, and, who Tommy recognizes as an intelligence right, we person. Yeah, we don't know that yet. And then someone who you could call just by his one name. You always have to say through the entire book, Julius P. P. Hersheimer. You can't just say Julius. Yes. <laughs> like everyone else. Always Julius P. Hersheimer. Yeah. So Mr. Carter basically is an intelligence officer who enlists them because of the whole Jane Finn thing to help find her. Because basically he's like, she's this girl that was on this boat and she's lost and she has this treaty and it's going to ruin the, the Allies' position and maybe start a new war. So, Mr. Carter- I mean, everything we're doing through official channels. What? Go ahead. And Mr. Carter is not his real name. Um, and yeah, but he's like, you won't officially work for us. Wink, wink. We'll deny any existence of you. It's very mission impossible. But your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to find this girl. Since you guys are out here having coincidences and we're failing and through official channels, why don't you kids try? Right. And it was interesting because Tommy recognized him from being in the war. Right, as an important person in in the military, yeah. And so immediately, and then yeah, and then they meet Julius P. Hersheimer, who's the other person who answered the ad. One, no, who's an American. That, though, I have to say, there's a funny thing about okay, the joke that British people and British government is full of bureaucracy because he's pay you and will give you money for expenses on your thing. And oh, yeah. says, but are we going to have to fill out the blue form and then you'll mail it back and say you need to fill out the green form and then we'll mail it back and then we're going to try to do thing. And Mr. Carter starts those things like, 
that's one of the things that people make jokes about in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe because when he um, goes to one of the planets and he was like, I'm British, we need to stand in a line, we know how to queue. It's because it's the joke that the British <laughs> government is so bloated, it's full of bureaucracy where she's like, do I have to, I'm a spy, do I have to fill out three forms in order to get requisitioned to money right. for this? Yeah, that was, that, that was really funny, yeah. Yeah, that was really funny. So, so then, they agreed to be on, now they have been officially hired as the Young Adventurers to work for the government off the books right. to find Jane Finn. And then they entered the other ad who was by Julius P. Hersheimer, who's an American rich guy, and who says he's the first cousin of Jane Finn and he's over there looking for her. Right, because But he's never met her, apparently because their parents were in a feud. Right. And when he in- inherited the money from his dad, he felt guilty and wanted to find his cousin. So it sounds a little sketch. You're like, it also gets why? Okay, this rich guy wants to find this cousin that he's never met and give her a bunch of money. Right. It also gives Agatha Christie a chance to throw every stereotype about Americans into one part of the story. Like he uses all yes. these phrases, <laughs> like "golly gee" or I don't know, you know, like American <laughs> phrases. And then he also yeah. is like a millionaire. She was imagining that all of Americans were millionaires, but they were definitely not having a recession in America in the early twenties. And so he's just like yeah, he's just throwing he money, around. money around like ridiculously. And so he's- yeah, he literally goes out and he, he's like, "What kind of car should I get?" And Tuppence is like, "I don't know, a Rolls Royce." And so he literally goes and gets a Rolls Royce. And you're like, "Oh my god, dude." How are you supposed to be a spy driving around in this world for us? But then, so while Tuppence and Tommy are very clever, they're also very, they're ingenues. And so, like, they've met, they just met this guy. They have no proof of anything about him. They know the bad guys are looking for this girl. Midway. And they've met him five minutes and they just blab to him everything. They just tell him everything and decide to work with him, even though they just met him. And so, one of my favorite moments is like, they decide to get rooms at the risk, which you and I don't even need to know but that's a fancy hotel in London to know by the name the Ritz is a fancy hotel in London right it's the Ritz Um, (laughs) and she's like well you have to stay closest to Jane's only living relative so like okay but one of my favorite things is the next day is like the next morning at breakfast and they're sitting around at the Ritz like dining room and we got to get to work and Tommy applauds and that's one of my favorite moments in the whole because it's like well and then he says something to her like my union doesn't allow me to work before 11 or something like that (laughs) he's funny like he's got jokes they actually both have jokes back and forth. It's pretty cute. Like their their banter. And I, so my favorite. And totally, I think the work the wor- book works because of that banter and the things they just say to each other. I could just imagine that. And so, I, by the way, have never seen any um, uh, movie depictions of this, but a spy novel set in the twenties with these two being. Um, uh, yeah. Did they make movies or shows out of any of the? They Tommy did. and Tuppence books. It's so cute. I wish they would write very many of them, and so I think they were like, "This isn't." It's not like Poirot where there were like a billion. This is a gravy train that can keep on going. Mm-hmm. There's only a few. Um, so yeah, like my favorite thing. But it, was, but it would make a good movie. 
Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, this, this, yeah, like when he, um, and now to work, and then he applauds, and then he was politely requested by his colleague not to be an ass, you know, like, like exactly. He's like, we have to get to work, and he applauds, and she's like, don't be an ass. Like, that's so, like, yeah, it's so cute. Um, and then, yeah, um, but they do start to, and they come up with a great idea because when she was talking to Whittington, um, he said who blabbed about Jane Finn's name was so she had a a name, and then she thought on Lusitania because she would have been a woman who survived it. All they need to do is get a list of women who were on the Lusitania, and then they did about that none of the women's names were listed because by their married husbands right they were all listed by last name yeah Yeah. so 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 they decide to go through the list of survivors and they go to every house in london with some fake right something that he comes up with some kind of a census type of thing and they ask like oh is so mrs so-and-so here and ask them their christian name right and this is another one of those like the male brain thought of this versus the female because she came up with the idea about finding Rita but he's the one who came up with the let's ask census questions which is another right and he he says that thing about like the male brain but overall like they're both very clever they both like I think that when it comes to like who's the smart one they're both are right like she's got she's kind of like the more like ringleader like she's like let's do this and he's like okay but then when it comes to thinking on their feet they're both really smart but yeah he says that thing about like look what the male brain can do and, and she's he, like okay for once you got one yeah and I, you could just see her rolling her eyes at that like uh-huh great okay but yeah not, it was a good idea but again it, it's more banter like it doesn't feel like he's totally. actually being a jerk like it just feels like banter and then, yeah uh, so they go through the list of women and they find one who's Miss Marguerite Vendemir. And then it turns out that Marguerite is spelled like the French way, which could be shortened to Rita. And they figure that out. Um, right. This is the fifth. And Tommy sees Mr. Whittington leaving her apartment or her house and so goes off to go track him and calls Julius from backup to track him and another guy. And this is what. And then. Agatha Christie does a bunch of like techniques in her spy novels. First of all, coincidence is that they keep running into the people we want to run into, right? So we found Mr. Whittington magically right. at Rita's place. Um, but also, another thing is the two heroes get separated. They are basically separate from this moment until the denouement at the end of the book. You don't really realize that because they mm-hmm. go back and forth. But that is an interesting technique that they are from like 20 book. And by the way, there was a little moment they were yeah. walking, they were holding hands. And then was mentioned like yeah, there's a little brief. Yeah, they like they they kept holding hands even after whatever. Yeah. And then right after they, there's they a moment with them. And then they get separated for weeks. Um, I mean, you don't know that one you just like but it, it's an interesting technique that they're separated basically the rest of the mo- rest of the story not movie it's not a movie yet yeah yeah it's true um 
So we know that Tommy follows um, a guy who turns out to be Boris to a house in Soho, and Julius trails Whittington and ends up climbing a tree to watch him through the window at a hospital. And then Tommy is like spying, like he sneaks into the house where the Bolsheviks are actually this is meeting. This hilarious thing because he fakes it by going up, faking the knock, using the password Mr. Brown. And we haven't talked about that. Mr. Carter said that the, there was a big bad guy who was named Mr. Brown. Um, and he uses the password Mr. Brown. And then Tommy does, when he's caught, guys in this meeting. Which, by the way, they kept talking about how the house was dirty and the walls were dirty. And I kept on thinking, how do walls become dirty? Hey, walls get dirty. In this quarantine time, I just cleaned my bathroom walls and I was mad at myself for not having it sooner. I was like, these walls are dirty. She she talks about that. (laughs) But you know, in bathrooms, like with the condensation. I guess so, but it's like, (laughs) you know, unless you're a smoker... Yeah, she really wanted to know that that, that house was not yeah. not clean, not a, not a clean house, not a clean joint. Anyways, um, but he listened in on it. A- so yeah, so yeah, when Tommy gets yeah. caught, he totally is like, I don't know very, <laughs> and he does uh, some of the same techniques that that Tuppence in terms of like, I actually don't know that much. Right, right, he totally does, and then uh, Julius climbs a tree and falls out of the tree. And gets a little bit of information about what's going on at that hospital from a Dr. Hall, no relation. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, um, meanwhile, Tumpus is left on her own because she couldn't follow them because Whittington would recognize her. So she is befriends the elevator boy, Albert, and is like, it's like a spy novel. I need you to be my guy on the inside. So she, he tells her that the maid is quitting. So she gets hired as the maid. And gets a disguise and changes her appearance with a blonde wig and some artful makeup. And so she starts working as a maid right. for and Rita. I thought that her part where she's just like, I need to find stuff out about her. And But it also sounds like she's good at switching from this 20s girl who's like a go-getter to like a demure... Um, uh, mm-hmm. Right. In her semi-American accent, they talk about it into a into a proper maid's yeah, accent so she knows you know so that's um but anyway and it's a brilliant idea so she actually saw boris come to dinner with rita and right so the homie boris comes over for dinner with rita and he's like who's that new girl you can't trust her and she's like eh she's fine and then he's like you should stop dating james- mr james- sir james peel edgerton kc the best detective in the world. And she's like, no, because I'm pretty and he's rich, so I'm, I'm going to keep dating him. the best him. detective, lawyer. <laughs> lawyer. But then they talked, they talked about him being a detective. Like, he is a lawyer, but they talked about him being a detective and into finding criminals and yeah, stuff, right? I thought he defended criminals. Anyway. Oh, maybe he, yeah, it's true. But yeah, but I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought they kept talking about him being a detective, but maybe not. Um, but anyways, he's a very renowned, they keep talking about that he'd be next in line to be prime minister. They right, mentioned right. that a few oh, times. Yeah. Um, but then when he leaves or on the way in, whenever he interacts with Tuppence, he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? You could work somewhere else, you know, you don't have to work here, which is a weird thing to say to the woman you're dating, her maid. Right, right. <laughs> oh, when Jane so Tuppence is like, really hmm. Sure. Yeah. So this is the thing. And so, 
spoiler again, yeah. book is 98 years old. Turns out that James P.L. Egerton is the bad Spoiler. Guy. And he has, lives a dual life. He lives dun, a dun, dun. Life. Right. He's like, he's like, I'm the best lawyer, but it's boring to be a good guy. So I'm also the best right. bad guy. Hashtag so Bolshevik. So long. It must have, <laughs> I, I'm curious because it's been so long since I read this for the first time that whenever I reread it, I know he's the bad guy from the moment he shows up. And so I keep thinking, like, what is his motivation um, for, you know, like, what is his motivation for doing since he's the bad guy? But you just read it for the first time. So you didn't know. So obviously what Agatha Christie. No, I didn't. And there's a moment. It was actually I was like having one of those like book ecstasy moments when I first read it, because there's a moment where Tuppence is with both of them. She's with Julius and Sir james casey and clearly one of them is mr brown but yeah. as the reader you just don't know which one like you don't have enough information and tubbins is like i felt like mr brown was there but where is he in the walls and you're like no you dumb girl it's one of these guys but which one is it and there's a point where she figures it out but you don't know yet she's like aha and like you can tell that she's figured out which one it is but you still don't know, like, as the reader. And so I was just like, it's one of those book ecstasy moments where you're just oh, like, ah, I got to know who it is. Who is it? it one of those did it. Until the very end. You know, she's, you know, so, but yeah, right. it's really interesting because um, Julius never liked him. But Agatha Christie does a technique that she's. And they both do things that seem shady. There's the times where you're like, Julius, why did you sue that? You must be Mr. Brown. And there's times when you're like, aha, Sir right. James, so it's you. She tried to make you think as a reader, made you think it was Julius. But there, I, I was definitely torn between the two right. of them. And I couldn't I feel tell like which one it was going to be. That's the technique that Agatha Christie gets better and better at, where she tries to like confuse you as the reader, where you're like, oh, it could be them or it could be them. But she definitely does it with this one. She throws you know, so much uh, to show the guilt of both of them that you're like, uh, 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 you know, right. And, um, by the way, I felt like she did a much better job with a on this one than the last one. Yes. Right. Like Rita was like, Rita is probably in her forties. So she's still gorgeous, but like, doesn't have her youthful twenties glow, which they talk about, which like, yeah, that's a thing. You know what I mean? Like, and then as, as people who are blah years old, we understand that <laughs> you can still be hot, but like, it's different than when you're in your twenties. <laughs> but the only one that I wondered about was Julius, because if. This is like, right. Cause he's supposed to be like 35, 35. They mentioned that he and he does seem simple. He seems so young. He seems like he's old. Yeah. He does come off as really young, but he's also an American. So that's why he's dumb. So he definitely seems like he's more like 25. It's because he's American. Yeah, he does come off and, that young. Um, so, I put so anyways, at some point, something happens where Tommy escapes no, being no, wait, captured, wait, wait, wait. We right? It, because here's some important, important clue things. Okay, something important. So something important. Okay. is stuck because he obviously got captured but she doesn't know that and she and Julius are like we don't know what to do we should want to know what to do and she's like you know that Peel Edgerton guy seemed trustworthy which was bad on her part 
but she's like, let's go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tommy. Yeah, that's because they can't find Tommy. So she's like, let's go tell the, the guy who turns out to be the bad guy everything. And so they do. <laughs> and right after that, the order came down for Tommy to be killed. Because they figured out they didn't actually know anything. But they didn't know that. Uh, I mean, she and Julius didn't know that. They, that like, they went for help. And he said, well, let's go talk to Rita. Creel Egerton did. And Tuppies went back early than J- Sir James said to go. And Rita another clue that it was him because, you know, she was clearing out. Um, and so, you know, there's. And you're like, of course. Right. Something bad's going to happen to Rita. So Rita's about to like get out of there because she knows something bad's about to happen. And she's the one who knows who Mr. Brown is. We know from the beginning. Right. Or no, we know we find out in this scene that Tummins is like, you know who the actual Mr. Brown is. And she's like, no, that's just a word we use. And she's like, no, you know who it really is. And we believe well, her. And, and that's when. And this whole idea that no one knows who Mr. Brown really is except for Rita and maybe Mr. Whittington. Like, like this whole idea is so super secret that nobody knows is a little bit this is where I'm just like you don't actually know any spot you Agatha you know like how many how many criminal organizations <laughs> nobody knows who it is like how could you get anything done but I think but they, they, they paint it well as if that's kind of like the trope right where they're just like he's everywhere and he's nowhere he's He's every one of us. So like, it's kind of like a big brother thing. Like maybe I'm Mr. Brown. So you can't, you know what I mean? I thought it was painted as sort of like a, there may or may not be a real Mr. Brown is sort of a mind control thing. I like, you know, I thought it worked. Okay. Fair enough. So anyway. um... But again, you know, way more real life spies than I guess Christy does. So you know how it really works. (laughs) Uh, Well, I've seen you're like, do you even know any spies? Do you even go to spy say, school? I've seen way more James Bonds <laughs> than she did because by the time she died, there'd only been a few. So my expertise in watching <laughs> Bond movies is so much more. James Bond hadn't even been, didn't even yeah, exist yet when she was writing this. Was this is the precursor to that. They benefited totally. from her, totally. from, from so, her work, right? Well, anyway, so there's a couple of moments there where she's definitely or Sir James as the bad guy, which is interesting. And also both Tommy and Tuppence trying to figure it out, you know, and using their wits. And they both do an amazing right. job of trying to use their wits in terms of like um, when Tuppence finds that Rita's trying to leave, she pretends to be, you know, she traps her, she pretends to be scared. Rita threatens to um, give her something to go to sleep and Tuppence pretends to be super scared and then grabs the gun. I mean, like, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all really stuff. good. Yeah. Yeah. She's 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 very boss bitch in this, like Tuppence is. You're just like, okay, Tuppence, like you got a gun to your head and all this stuff, and she just like right. knows and what then, to do. Like, but then, you know, the fact that Rita is killed um is that night definitely makes it set up like, you know, either Mr. Brown is in the wall. Or it's one. Right. So, th- so what happens is that night Rita is in the house with, uh, what are their names? Yeah, Vandermeer. Vandermeer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know, those right? names. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, and and the KC. So they they she's alone with them. So we definitely know that one of them killed her, but we don't know who. And Tuppence never says it. Like that. 
Meanwhile, across town, Tommy is a is a prisoner, and all these guys are basically trying to find out what he knows, which is nothing, but he's trying to bluff a little bit. And then this young French woman comes in and may or may not interact with him, may or may not want to help him, right. and then helps. But definitely doesn't like. Like she gives him a knife and so helps him again, escape. Now that we know that Sir James is the bad guy, there's a couple of questions. So why did Sir James talk to Tuppence when he first saw her and say, are you sure you want to work here? Did he recognize her for being in Mr. Whittington's office or not? We don't know because they never say. But probably because he's supposed to be a criminal genius. So probably he recognized her. I think so, because he's because he's not supposed to be that, you know, he's a, he's supposed to be very quick. He's supposed to be the, one of the greatest because they, they talked about that. He's one of the greatest detective right. minds of our time. So, yeah. So I think he definitely right. recognized her. She was, you know, she was pretty well under. So, um, so, you know, what would be the point of him doing that except for to gain her trust? So he gained her trust. And, and then. Right. That's a good point. Exactly what he wanted to come and tell him everything um it totally worked. right it totally then, worked so um tommy with the help of this runs to mr carter tells him the french woman who ends right. up to be jane dun, finn dun, dun, dun. right dun, dun, dun. Um, but, but she but she's been disguised as this as having any some kind of and actually we'll have to get to that later but like i get really annoyed with like unrealistic amnesias that don't really happen medically but it turned out to be that she was faking it so i was okay with the novel because like when things are medically unrealistic i'm just like come on guys that's not how brain injuries work right right <laughs> but the fact that she was faking it made totally. it okay yeah because yeah so yeah so that our our the woman we've been looking for this whole book has been uh pretending that she's lost her memory and thinks that she's french so she's in this house as Annette with a French accent and helps Tommy escape, eventually giving him a knife right. so that he and can then, escape, right? But she right? doesn't leave with him, even though he tries to do that, um, which is interesting. Yeah, right, so, right. She stays. Um, then, uh, so he goes back to find Tuppence. And then right then, Tuppence had gotten a note from what, a note that said it was from Tommy. So she took off. And it turned out, that she got stuck with Annette. So she's kind of switched places. So Tommy escaped and went back. Right. So yeah, so she they sent us they they sent a fake telegram from Tommy. So she runs off because she hasn't seen him in days and she thinks he's dead. So she runs off like, okay, I gotta find Tommy because she gets a fake telegram from him right. and that gets her kidnapped. So now she and Annette are holed right. up and then with Tommy the bad guys find a fake copy of it see this that's this part seemed a little realist unrealistic that find the telegram that she had gotten change it crumple for tommy to find and julius to find and then they go off to a area of the country and spend a week there Right, <laughs> looking for her at a house that's abandoned because yeah. it's like a no, yeah, it's a red herring, as it were. Was captured, he overheard that there was going to be a labor strike on the 29th. Use the labor strike plus this treaty as a way to basically overthrow the prime minister or something like that. Um, and so something like that. Yeah, there was then, some big thing about know, the 29th. 
uh, and so that's why they wanted to find the treaty as, as ammunition to like overthrow the British government. So um, they're busy trying to find Tuppence and they've found nothing about the treaty, nothing about Jane Finn, nothing about anything. So then um, they do a bunch of thinking. And this is where Tommy is the one who actually figures out the whole thing because he's like, okay, about Rita dying from Julius's mouth. He's like, it's going to be one or the other. And they met James mm-hmm. Field Egerton and James Field Egerton gave them a fake Jane Finn who had an American accent. And this is who the one where, like, if you know anything about memory loss, you wouldn't believe that because apparently she woke up in 1921. So you, you were saying that this woman wakes up in 1922. Right. So she says, what happened in the Lusitania torpedoing? Were there any survivors? So even if people do, occasion that people have amnesia and they forget some part when their memories come back they don't forget the part when they had amnesia where did you right i'm here okay yeah no i agree and 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 and, and i know it's not her fault because it's a trope that's been used through entertainment you know these whole like amnesia where i have full cognitive faculties but just forgot who I am or forgot a certain period of time, which is not how any of it works. That's not how brain injuries work. Right. <laughs> it's never like a unique loss of like memory and orientation, but all so of my thing, like if Julius. <laughs> it's just, but, but anyways, Julius, I, 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 that's a, that's a rant about in general. Not about it. And I liked it because it turned out that she was faking it. And this, this woman is a person who's faking it, faking it. Like, this is an actress that right. turned out that he hired to trick them. But also, if you were Tommy or Julie, and suddenly someone, and they were like, this is Jane Finn, she just woke up and asked what happened yesterday. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You don't right? just snap out of it. That was the thing. They were like, something happened traumatic, and now she just snapped out of it. She forgot the last five years that she's been living not knowing which end was up and now she like remembers everything like that and that's kind of how they set it up that it would be right yeah and so yeah anyway but um anyway so then she sends them on a wild goose chase she's like this is where i hid the papers and so they go and try to find the papers and then they're like ha, mr brown has the papers so tommy's like mr brown goes to mr carter and says mr brown has the papers but then tommy's like wait a minute if he had the papers they'd be doing something with it. They'd be trying to, like, bring down the government with it. Right. So He, uh, he kind of figures out that there's the, they don't have the papers and that the whole And the other thing was is that there was something there was something in the uh, there was a news story that Tuppence had died. Right. And, oh, and then they had this side story where, um, yeah, Tommy and Tuppence were clearly, like, on the way but slowly because they'd known each other since they were kids. And then they disappear, and then Tommy uh, disappears, and then Julius proposes to Tuppence, kind of ish, and she's like, kind of "I always wanted to have a rich guy propose to me, but actually no." And right. actually, so I love Tommy about money, and she just wants to marry a rich guy or make a lot of money. So a rich guy proposes to her, and she that makes her realize that she actually loves Tommy, even though he's broke. Right, and then he comes back, and he finds out about all this, and he's like, "You jerk! I love." Yes, is like don't get heated. He's like, I am heated. I love that exchange. Yeah, it's a 
He's like, I am heated. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so they, you know, the, it's one of the reasons why they're looking for her so frantically, because apparently, even though at the descriptions at the beginning, she didn't say that Tommy, that Tuppence was like, gorgeous one in the world. They did say that Annette slash Jane Finn was, but they said the Tuppence was interesting. Right. Which was, I thought was kind of cool. Like, you know, anyway. Um, so Tommy here at the end, he's like, wait a minute. Tuppence isn't actually dead. That wasn't actually Jay Finn. This whole thing is a sham. What they're trying to do, and they thought this was brilliant. <clears throat> they want to let Jane Finn escape. At the last minute. Right, to see if she's going to lead them to the papers, the actual papers. Right. And so he operates as if both Julius and Sir James are on the ground. Mm-hmm. So she, he tells Julius is out of the country. And mm-hmm. then he asks Sir James to help him find Tuppence and um, Jane Finn. Um, because he's like, either way, if, if they're Mr. Brown, I've got it covered. Them and he's like, they're gonna let her escape so that she can lead him at the last second. But instead, um, Julia, who actually turns out, does the most American thing possible and goes to the Russian agent who was at this meeting that Tommy told him about, pulls a gun on him, and forces him to go. <laughs> he does. <laughs> It's so American. He is. He like has him in his car with a gun on him, just like no plan, just being a gun and I don't know. I'm doing something. Right. <laughs> save this like girl. Almost... So and then pulls up to the house and is like, tell him to come down and takes the girls. But then like Tommy's like, okay, he does something really interesting. Tommy go gets in. Pulls, takes the gun, puts it on Julius and tells the girls to get out and go to Sir James. And he does that even though he knows Sir James is the bad guy. Right. He does it on purpose because he wants Tuppence to tell that to Sir James. Right. So then they rush through London and chase, 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 scare, scare, scare. Is this guy and there's another moment where this drunk guy is like, hey, I want to talk to your pretty friend. And you're like, are you a sexual harasser rapist or are you a spy? Because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> either way. It's not great. Um, so they make it to Sir James and then she tells the whole story about that actually she's been faking it. And this part I loved where she's like, um, I figured out that um, the people were after me. And so I woke up and pretended that I was speaking entirely in French and the guy's like, no girl would be able to know all those words at her age. And she's like, but American girls. Are yeah, she does say she's are older for their age or whatever. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, because apparently, yeah, she spoke fluent French because she was on her way to do a job in France right, when it right. happened. So she woke up and was like, oh, I don't even know my name and I only speak French. Because right, of this right. brain injury that doesn't exist. But it's okay because she was faking it, which is the way I'm not angry at the book. Because if it was like that was a real thing that happened, I don't think that's a real brain injury where you wake up and only speak French. Um. <laughs> but they bought it. And she was so good at acting. 
and that's the thing is they, they do make the women in the movie be really smart because they she was such a good actor they did all the tests on her and everything they even she even fooled all the doctors right. with this whole like i have french amnesia so right. even when she speaks english she speaks it with a french accent and they've just been keeping her around all these years hoping that one day she'll snap out of it right and tell them what the treaty was and the other thing by the way way back when they meet dr hall and he's like by the way she has amnesia and they're like oh and he's like she doesn't even speak her own tongue it's hilarious to me that nobody says oh so maybe it's the french girl you know like (laughs) right we never think of that right because she he just kind of he doesn't say she started speaking french he just says she doesn't speak her own tongue I just think that's yeah. Anyway, it's true. Um, so anyways, Tom, right. So she's giving the whole backstory of like, I really am Jameson and she's giving it to Tumbits and Mr. Bad guy, right? Mr. Bad guy, Mr. Casey, secret, Mr. Brown, but who's like being all like, Oh, I'm here to protect you. And then turns out that she did a brilliant job of hiding this treaty in a, the back of a picture in that dirty, dirty, dirty house. Right, she hung it in the in the picture frame, right? Or no, um, of the dirty the house paper on the back of the picture, yeah. So, um, uh, anyway, so then we get the excitement of them going to the dirty house, and they're about to they unwrap the picture, and they pull out the actual papers that we've been. So now we have Jane Finn that we've been looking for this whole book, and now we have the papers we've been looking for this whole book, right? And then. James. Big reveal. Sir James Mr. Says, Sir James, Mr. Sir, I am actually Mr. Brown. Right. I am actually Mr. Brown. And um, so then we get to like um, say, oh my God, oh my God. And one of the things that's interesting, because you don't have a physical copy of the book, because the emphasis in the book changes. And um, it says, italics, I am Mr. And when I listened to the <laughs> audiobook, I was like, she didn't actually say that the way that I heard it in my head. That's what's so hard about was... audiobooks. I'm lucky because I'm reading it just audiobook like for the first time, but it's hard when you've read it with your eyeballs and then the narrator gets it wrong and you're like, that's not how it was at all. Right. right. I was really, really impressed with the one, at least the audiobook copy that I have. I don't know if there's more than one, but like she did a nice job with all the different voices and accents and stuff. I thought she did a good job. Right. So um anyway but then it turns out that the whole time tommy and julius had just rushed to the house hid inside the house and were waiting for this moment and right because they because because tommy had figured it out so he fake thought it was julius so that mr kc bad guy would think that he thought it was julius right and then he he's like ha ha and we're waiting for you here and then mr kc bad guy um apparently has um what's the the poison with almonds uh, oh yeah arsenic. Uh, cyanide arsenic yeah so yeah he has a ring and he like takes his ring and he just kills himself real fast right which seems weird and, for sure and he says something like to you know at two brute um what's he say he says um uh it's gotten dark um Ave Caesar te mortarium salute. I die saluting you. He says it in in Latin. You know, 
looking <laughs> so apparently saying that as if Tommy is Brutus. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. right. And then so so he's there and then like they're like what? Dun, dun, dun. Big reveal. So now we've got the papers and they can destroy them so that there's not a new world war yet. Another spoiler. There's more wars. Right. Um, not in this book, but in the world. Um, right. And then uh, now Mr. Carter, Mr. Head Spy Guy, um, reads excerpts from the diary that they found on Mr. Casey, bad guy, Mr. Brown. Right. Of his diary that's like, if you find this, I am dead. Right. And it's be- and this is my turns out I it's not that I care about the Bolsheviks or that I care about the revolution or I care about anything I just want to be the biggest bad guy that ever bad guy because that sounds fun because I'm bored of being so smarter than everyone right and so that's- it's very James Bond in that way of sort of like I just the bad guy look at my lair right <laughs> like I it was just I thought it was interesting and it was like you know, remember that what was that one in the in the eighties or nineties that was like um, the remake of Dragnet when they had pagans and it stood for people against goodness and normalcy or something like it was like it was basically like he was like I just thought it was so boring to be the best at being good so I thought I should be the best at being bad and then like you know cry, be a fine cry, uh, a crime fighter and a crime doer at the same time right and I was like so that totally makes it look like these Bolsheviks and the Unionists and stuff are just like right. Like it, it does. It's not, it clearly shows her bias I, I got about unions, right? So there's a you know, um, and then of course we have the super happy fun time, where except for the super super happy fun incest time, because it's like <laughs> oh Tommy and Tuppence turns out we're in love, and then Julius and Jane now they're in love. But wait, aren't they first cousins? Gross. Because <laughs> turns out he wasn't a fake bad guy. He was actually her actual first cousin, but they're now in love and going to get married. And it's like oh, but that's. <laughs> how you get birth defects that's too close it wasn't even like random second cousin it was like because he said at some point my father and his mother were brother and sister like so he names the relation like that is definitely genetically okay, and this poor decision making americans wrong because brits might be okay with that kind of close relation falling in love but americans well never well she might she uh i mean she wasn't writing it for us no but i'm I mean, saying that like tommy that that uh and oh the julius and jane would be like ew that oh right be more okay with that <coughs> um but yeah no that's not yeah it's not we don't yeah. we frown on that and i i don't i wasn't around a hundred years ago but i hope it was frowned on then too yeah especially like if you're not in the insular culture where you're trying you know what i mean like if you're in a culture where for some reason or another, you avoid the outside. I think it happens more often. But you're just regular old wasps. Right. <laughs> Why are you marrying your cousin? Gross. Yeah. So it's interesting because if, if she had made the story be, um, you know, slightly less close relations, they would have been fine. But it was interesting because... He literally said, my father and her mother were brother and sister. And like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> like or it could have just been like super happy fun ending could have just been tommy and tuppence romance julius and jane cousin homies right but like let's go travel and be rich because now we're all rich and i'm not kidnapped anymore and i can know that i don't speak french 
you know what I mean? Or that I, <laughs> I don't have to pretend to be a French lady. Like it didn't have, it doesn't have to be a couple for everyone. Yeah. And so it's, but if, if they weren't cousins, that's super happy fun. Like the fact that they both took, like he had a dinner at the Savoy, which is a different hotel than the Ritz. And then he, they both like took a taxi and circled around because the only time they could make out was in the taxi because right. it wouldn't be proper for them to go back to the hotel that they're all staying in. Right. So that wouldn't be proper. So they have to make out in the taxis going in circles around in London. That was cute. Yeah, but the incest makes it less cute. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to let I just I I can't really you know it's I can't really this is why I can't get into Game of Thrones like incest is just a hard stop for me I mean no offense you're gorgeous and all but just <laughs> okay I I get that but it's fictional people yeah it's fictional people but I'm just it's just funny to me that like I was like is no one noticing the fact that like the reason we know the reason Julius is even here is because they're first cousins I know I know I know. <laughs> but, okay. so in the in the future books are tommy and tuppence a crime fighting couple like are they a married couple yes. who are spies yes. that's so cute yes so um a, a couple of things because besides i mentioned kind of direct you know like the fact that she had a couple of little like this is what it's like to be a young woman in london because you get sexually harassed and then we just move on we just kind of deal with it and move on she had a couple of those um but i also really liked that um both Tommy and Tuppence would go, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I'm going to fake it. Um, yeah. What would a spy do in this scenario? Yeah, that's, I think, why I really like both of the characters because you're right. Like, it's kind of like all of us feel like I'm not adulting. What, what would a person do here? But it just, like, you, like coincidences and they kind of own it that everything keeps working out in their favor. Like, it really wouldn't, it's not realistic, but it feels good because you're like, if I just had confidence and was like, what the hell should I say right now? And said something and it goes right, you know? And that's why like, you kind of like it because you really identify with them as sort of right. a young person trying to figure out what, what the hell to do. Right. And it's so different from like when you watch James Bond and then you're like, um, <coughs> you know, he's so smooth. He knows everything. And it's- yeah you're right and that's the thing is that they're at the beginning of that where like they stumble into some smoothness and they're like oh shit that worked what did i say can i say it again <laughs> and that's what makes it so fun where it's like it's, yeah it's, and then it's really if fun you picture young people in their 20s and they're bantering and they're talking about who's smarter the woman or the man and they're flirting and then they're also like let's pretend to be spies or criminals or whatever and he's like but you're um a preacher's daughter and she's like whatever i need money you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really it's really good yeah and i like i really like the way it's written that like their banter really does work like the i didn't know that about agatha christie's writing because i you know again i just think of it for the murder mysteries but like just the banter between the two of them you really get into it yeah it, so it's interesting so that question you know like why didn't tommy tuppence get as popular now she didn't do a bunch of Tommy and Tuppences. Um, how many do we know? How many of those five, books there are? But I mean, but still several. Yeah. Um, so if we keep going through this, because she does a short story one where they're married and they solve a bunch of little short stories, and then they do a, a kind of a flashback one during World War II. But by that point, they're in their forties. Dun dun dun. 
And, <laughs> and they have twin boy and girls, by the way. Really? Yeah. For for the listeners, my sister Portia has twin a twin boy has twins, a boy yeah. and a girl. Who are how old right now? Um, they are ten months old. So ten months but old. But when Tommy and Tuppence during World War II, their twin boy and girls were in their twenties, the same age that Tommy and Tuppence were during this book. And so it's kind of cute. But anyway. Um and but they have a fun thing before their kids were born of them like solving crimes um and it's still in the 20s so i think i always kind of picture them as a young couple in their 20s and it's so fun like what i'm imagining them is them you know like with 20s hairstyle and they talk about what they're wearing and they talk about she's wearing a short skirt she smokes did you catch that yeah she's she yeah she hair, smokes a lot she smokes she swears she you know like and her, her yeah. father's a preacher in a small town and like you know it's awesome yeah yeah it really is awesome it was funny because like when we were to compare this to the the murder mysteries it's funny because like it, it has that like sort of like thing for my brain where there's like a problem and it gets solved and you figure out the mystery and you have the whole like cycle of the story right. But it's not about a murder, so it's slightly less dark, which I liked. Because it gave me that whole same right. thing that I enjoy in a British murder mystery. But I was like, but it wasn't about a murder, which is kind of nice. I mean, there was a murder, but it was part of the, right. the spy plot versus it being, like, um, about a murder mystery. So it just, I don't know, it was less dark. Which, you know, in these corona times, it's nice when things are <laughs> slightly less dark. Right, totally. <laughs> so, I mean, so this, this question about why didn't... Um, Perot, who she's written one at this point, but she doesn't write Marvel for a while. I looked up um, her, so I'm about to look on this website, the home of Agatha Christie. Um, so if you look at her stories, she doesn't write the first Marvel for a while. So she writes, the next one is a Perot. And then there's two that are kind of again young people just doing fun stuff which i'll you know i want to read with you because i think you'll enjoy them because they're similar to this but they're not tommy and tuppence they're just other young people and then there's another pro um actually then there's three more priros yeah and then another young people doing spy stuff so during the 20s she does some Poirots and one Tommy and Tuppence and the rest is like just young people doing crazy stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and she doesn't okay, do the cool. first Miss um, Marple one until 1930. Oh, that's much later. Yeah, um, interesting. And then when's the, where's the next Tommy and Tuppence one? Um, well, these are all novels. Um... Uh, sorry, because this I want to find. Oh yeah, so the the next Tommy and Tuppets one <coughs> is nineteen twenty nine. Mm. So um, yeah, so she has um, nineteen twenty two for Tommy and Tuppets, and then nineteen forty one. Is the next novel of Tommy and Tuppence? Uh, 
Uh, that's a big yeah, jump. But she does the short stories um, in 1929. So it's basically 22 to 29. Um, yeah. So it's called uh, um, Partners in Crime in the 1929. So um, anyway, yeah, there's a website called agathacurcy.com, which I was looking at. So. <laughs> Of course yeah. it is. So anyway, but uh, so, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, I know that they have done movies or um, something, some Tommy and Tuppence stuff, but it really did not get as popular. As tra- yeah, as much traction as the Poirot and, and Miss Marple yeah. stuff, huh? And so that's interesting. And, you know, when you think about the- I mean, it's definitely younger and more lighthearted. So it just might just be a different audience. Right. But especially when you think about Agatha Christie in the 20s, was she was, well, I suppose she turned in 1910, she was 20. So in 1920, she was 30. So when she's writing about people in their 20s in the 1920s, it wasn't like she was that far away from it. And mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. much closer to them than she was um a Belgian man who was a former, you know, <laughs> police detective or an 80 year old woman. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed the way she wrote, she wrote it and the, the, how the, the banter and everything was between them. Like, so I'm, I'm looking, it's actually made me excited to do more reading of, of the actual reading of her versus cause like, you know, when you read, watch the movies or some of the episodes of the Prowl series and stuff, you're just in it to solve the who's a murderer, but to actually like get into more like the way that she uses language, the the book made me actually into it. So I'm excited for the next one, which will be the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Apparently, is the no, next one the no? Murder on the links. Oh, the murder on the links. Okay, yeah, it's published in 23. Now let me make sure. The murder on the links in 1923. Okay, that's going to yeah, be next. I'm just double checking that I'm not like, yeah. Yeah, that is definitely the next book she wrote. I was double checking all the things on her. Uh, the Murder on the Oh, yeah, now I see it. Okay. The Murder on the Links, 1923. That's going to be our next one. Oh, and then followed by The Man in the Brown Suit, which and I've heard And The Man of. in the Brown Suit is by far my favorite story of all of her stories, and I've read all of them multiple times. Really? Okay. So, but Okay, I'm excited for Links. that. Remember how Hastings, back in Mysterious Affair and Styles, was like, I'll never find love. Mm-hmm. He's gonna find love in the murder. Oh, Hastings, that's so but nice. But also, it's not who you think it's gonna be, and it's all over the place. So you know, it's drama, drama, drama. So, um, so it's yeah. And the murder on the links sounds like it's at a golf course, which it sort of is. But anyway, um, and then yeah. So the man in the brown suit is like my absolute favorite one. So. Oh, okay. I'm excited. All right. So Murder on the Links is next. That's what I want to find yeah. next. All right. Well, this was absolutely. fun. Um, and our, next time it's going to be Murder and, on the Links. But after, but the end of moral of the story is, don't you want to just be Tuppence? Yeah, she's so cool. Like, she's like, normally I hate those ingenue characters because they're just ridiculous, but there's something about her where she's just like, what? People will hire us to steal necklaces. We can do it. Let's put an ad. <laughs> and you're like, 
what? Like, and like, I don't know. There's something about her that like, I she's the kind of character, even for like ingenue reasons or for white privilege reasons or whatever reasons I would normally not like. And I just love her. Like, I just find her so right, likable. Like, she just seems like a young woman who's like, okay, this is what life has given me. Let me figure it out. This is what's going on. I'm I'm just going to figure it out. How can I make money? Okay, stop trying to touch my ass. Okay, I like you. I don't like you. Oh, maybe I can figure this out. Like, she is just like, she's the kind of woman that I want to be. So, yeah, she was definitely inspiring. Yeah, I thought so, too. Okay, so the moral of the story after this one is we all want to grow up and be like Tuppence, who was apparently 21. (laughs) 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 All right. Okay, so that wraps up this one.